0: Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast.
1: Here to talk all things Arsenal is your host, Matthew Wade. Hello again, listeners, and welcome to another Daily Canon weekly podcast. I paused there simply because I was struck by the fact that you actually have both uh, podcast hosts on simultaneously and I was questioning whether I should be introducing it or whether Stephen should be introducing it or we should be introducing it together in a shared introduction, but we just thought that would be confusing
0: for everyone. So uh, how are you, Stephen? I was just about to say we should have done like a barbershop quartet, maybe done an a cappella or something. <laughs> Welcome to the Daily Canon Weekly Podcast, weekly podcast, yeah. You know, we would have sung it in and people would have immediately turned off and <laughs> throw their headphones out the window after being a, after having their senses affronted by such That's such a so much tone deaf that we can fit on one podcast and we're already playing yeah. both of that ourselves. Yeah, but I can't I can't even come up with like a hilarious yet completely fictitious reason as to why you're not here. Like wow. you know, I don't you know like I've, I've over the over the years as it's been, considering how many episodes we've done, I've had you digging Mar- Margaret Thatcher's grave. I've had you searching Eastern Europe for a 15 year old Wonder kid. I've had you dead twice, uh, the back arse of a pantomime horse, which is my personal favorite <laughs> I know. Um, and and never once have I been told I was wrong.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, apart from the dead bit, all the others are entirely plausible <laughs> and probably in keeping with actual quite large chunks of my life. Uh, obviously, in recent absences have been down to babiness because babies happen and then I go, hello, I'm taking over your world. Everything else is less important now. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm suppose mm-hmm. that's probably right. Anyway, nobody listening wants to hear about me banging on about uh, my uh, wrestling with early fatherhood because either you've got children yourself In which case you know or you don't have children yourself and therefore you just don't care. (laughs) Either way, uh, we're going to talk about Arsenal because that's essentially why we're here. The season's over. Uh, Some may call that a merciful thing. Uh, But we thought you know, whether we'll stay on brand and be positivity, negativity, which is tend to be our riffing on this before. um, We're going to have a a little kind of uh, discussion about where we're at, what we think we need to do next. But do not be confused. This is not a full season review because we want to let that sit and percolate and mature so you can give a more rounded review with a more rounded selection of voices, uh, most of which are familiar to this parish, and you will hear them in due course. But enough of that. Uh, where do you sit about where things are right now, Stephen? Because I know that with the Arteta thing... You've had a, an emotional journey, uh, which I've, every time you've either been on or stood in for me, I've I've heard you wrestling with your frustrations but also your optimism. I obviously am more blindly optimistic in general. Um, where are you sitting now at the end of the season, given that we've had a, a good run and, and that the league table since Christmas looks very good for us, but, but at the same time we did shit on over our chance to qualify for the Europa League final and beat a very turgid Manchester United team?
0: That's that's the problem, isn't it? Like every time you try and talk yourself into a positive, a negative stares you in the face. And every time you talk yourself into a negative, a positive stares you in the face. We are the you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of the of football right now. It's annoying. It's you know frustrating. And as a result, like you <laughs> I want to give Arteta another, at least a preseason. Like he hasn't had that. And it's clear that when given a bit of time, he can get this team into a bit of shape and into a bit of discipline. Like they defend quite well. Mm. For a team that doesn't have many defenders, they defend quite well. And now it's, is it because of an extreme, you know, commitment to playing two banks of five? Yes. But we've just seen a team win the Champions League with two banks of five. So, It's hard to say that he isn't tactically sound because he is. It's it's everything else. It's, you know, I do videos for Daily Cannon on the tactics board every week and I show you different times where he's just Complete, not even left field. He's gone to the left of left field, looked left and saw something over there and gone, oh, that's a good idea. And it's made absolutely no sense. He's gone full, full Guardiola. <laughs> He's gone maybe even worse. But, you know, like at least Guardiola's rationale has some sense to it. You know, like. I don't know. That, <laughs> the Champions League final. <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I'll I defend the Champions League final now. He had two defensive midfielders against Chelsea in the FA Cup semi final it didn't work. He had one defensive midfielder in the league defeat. It didn't work. So, And his whole philosophy is overloads. It's numbers. It's, okay, you've got six defenders, I'll play seven attackers. And he's looked at a Chelsea side that had eight defenders because we are now counting N'Golo Kante as two. I think (laughs) it it should be, you know, like the Chelsea, we had Roddy Doyle on News Talk over here and he's a, a, a... the author of you know, the commitments, the van you know, a superb, magnificent author. And he's a Chelsea fan. Apparently, like the, the, the nickname that Chelsea fans have given in Kante is the twins. Yeah. Because because they're not sure which one they have because there's always two of them. And everyone's calling and, Thomas Tuchel a fucking genius because he's gone,
1: ooh, Ingola Kante. <laughs> why don't we stop dicking around with him and just put him where he was always good in the first place? Yep. And, Ta-da, and, galaxy brain, what a genius.
0: Yeah yeah and you know they concede four goals in a Champions League campaign it's and that's that's the thing that's the thing like can we judge Arteta's tactics without the players and I don't think you can but should Arteta be playing these tactics without the players that's it's that's the that's the juxtaposition I'm in and until he has a proper pre-season, because he didn't have one year one because he was hired in December, mm-hmm. didn't have one year two because he was playing the FA Cup final in the middle of it. So is it the same? No, is everyone in the same boat? Yes. Did Thomas Tuchel come into a into a situation at Chelsea where they were playing 4-2-3-1 with Mason Mounted, centre-mid, completely change everything and win the Champions League in five months. Yes, but do, do Arsenal have N'Golo Kante? No. Do they have Kai Havertz? No. Do they have Mason Mount? Maybe in Bukayo Saka. But that Chelsea team spent the guts of 200 million quid last summer and won the Champions League and everyone's going, oh my God, it's a tactical revolution. So Arsenal need complete... Arsenal right now, and I don't know if this is... You could maybe answer this better than me. Because I'm a football manager addict, but good God, you've got 20 years more than me on it. Right now, Arsenal, in Football Manager 22, when they release it, Arsenal will be the best job to take in that game. Low expectations. No expectations, complete rebuild. You can do whatever you want, and you can sell everyone. Except for the kids, which no one ever does. Except for the kids, But, but but you've got an absolute effect ton of of wage room you've got a on ton of players you can sell and the board will get, say grand no bother and you can build from scratch that's the job that's the job this summer it's a full football manager rebuild is our head the man for it is edu the man for it we will find out yeah i mean
1: the, the thing that gives me the, the, the uh on-brand cause for optimism is the fact that Although there have been some, some quality rickets, not just in the occasional tactical setup against Villarreal, but, uh, and also uh, let's sign William on a free. Oh, no, we should have checked if he actually fit into our style of play at all. Um, but aside from those, I do think that most of the business the club has done over the last year and a half, maybe even two years, certainly the last year, has been things which have made sense. You know, this, most of the signings certainly since the big tat splurge, which was a sort of half great, half shit. Um, but most of the signings since then have been like, yeah, that either has worked or if it hasn't worked, I can see the rationale and it hasn't done too much damage. Uh, in the same way that, you know, the club has finally got rid of most of the dickheads after years of being, you know, w- w- waiting for Mustafi to stop being Mustafi. Uh, and 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 being sucked into a full sense of uh, faith by oh he's had four good games on the bounce where he looks like an international defender ah oh, we we it's all fixed now <clears throat> our survey said brain implosion or trying to convince ourselves that Kolasinac can actually find a teammate with a football and if he's put under pressure or that Meza Özil is uh going to maintain his motivation levels after having his heart and broken you know in various different ways around uh, 2018 and, we, and of course has not remotely been the same player since and what's the surprise that all three have left klasnach has done all right at Schalke, but that's because his role there is very simple mustafi shit the bed so bad they did want him in a free even though they've been relegated and uh mesut ozil is now getting threats from (laughs) from the pacho fans for basically being a complete shag disaster. Although not even Arteta's Galaxy Brain would have tried him at left Um, (laughs) wing-back. So, I mean, these, you know, and the signings, you know, the the kind of profile of players would have been, you know, Willian was the exception, but, you know, Gabriel, very sensible signing, right in the age range wheelhouse. Marie was a sensible signing, left-footed, backup centre-half, willing to play that role, Good price, has some experience, isn't completely new to England, you know, and a few other deals around that basis, even Cedric, which, okay, it's too long a deal, but we needed a backup fullback, particularly when it looked like at least two of them might be off. As it turned out, neither of them actually left last summer. Um, more on that to discuss in due course. Um, so I'm sort of like, okay, well, at least we've gone from. The situation where I'd look at our transfer business every summer and go, We've bought good players, but what are they supposed to have to do in relation to each other? And uh, now at least I'm like, Okay, these are players which at least fulfill different roles in the team. Yeah. But then, as you say, this is a summer where there's so much on the line because there is so much reduction from the wage bill, but there's less income. But there's a lot more of a carte blanche, you know, Arteta's made it pretty clear that he's being backed to be ruthless, his words, not mine. And there's going to be some players that don't fancy having a season without European football, as well as people whose contracts have only got a year left. So there's the potential for a lot of turnover and we're going to learn so much about what what the future holds under a potential arteta edus axis of either evil or good, um, by what happens the next few few months, because obviously now he's manager, Arteta's got a lot more influence over transfers than Unai Emery did as head coach.
0: It's going to be like you said, it's a like you said, it's a carte blanche. And I don't think he can get any worse than what it is now. Unless they get relegated. Like they have no European football at all. Oh. And I'd rather it that way than getting into the Europa Conference League. That's not a shot at Tottenham. That's looking at what happened in 2013 and 2014, where Liverpool nearly won the title because they played every Saturday. That was it. And Mm. then Antonio Conte comes in, gets spanked at the Emirates, decides I'm not playing this four back anymore. I'm going to 3-5-2, wins 13 games in a row because he had time to train it in Mm. and then wins the league at the canter. Like that's... Going to and in a season where injuries are going to mount up even more than they did last season because they're playing a European championship in seven days and they're playing, you know, the Cup of America might go ahead. I know it got taken out of Colombia and Argentina and they're like, We need somewhere to play <laughs> that might not even go ahead, but the players are being ran into the ground. Mm. And mm. having rest, never mind time to train, having time to rest is going to be crucial next year. We saw Manchester United in the Europa League final. They're exhausted. You know, like everyone was saying, you know, oh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer made no subs. Who was he going to bring on? Like everyone, like Marcus Rashford has been saying he's been injured since September. Mason Greenwood pulled out of the England squad yesterday. You know, like it's, play like there's so many players carrying knocks or injuries that they're not te- letting on that saka going to the euros we say going to the euros it's in england but if he doesn't play i won't be that concerned because it's like he needs rest you know we have a danger of running at them into the ground and playing saturday 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 instead of thursday sunday thursday sunday is a huge benefit when you're going to have a compressed season next season because they're going to try and get it done earlier so they have more time for the following season because there's a World Cup in Qatar that they need to make two months for. Yes, Just giving these players time to rest, recuperate and recover is going to be key. And that might be the difference between finishing six points behind Chelsea like we did this three times a week. We're playing once.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and there's also the fact that, as you alluded to, we're still finding out what we've got in this head coach, stroke manager, stroke, you know, rookie stroke, whatever we want to describe him as, uh, insert epithet here. Um, you know, we, he hasn't had the chance to really embed his ideas. He is primarily operating with players that were inherited Um not that these things excuse the underachievement of this year, but it but it does mean that we know that this year has been under an underachievement. We know there has been a marked improvement when when there was a number 10 introduced uh that, that he felt would actually be prepared to run around. Um but really we we're still kind of there's still quite a lot of speculation about what he wants to do. Uh because we've we've seen we've seen what we've seen over the last few months, which is like, okay, it looks like that might be what he wants to do, but is that just because of the players he has at his disposal? And then actually there's an absence of uh, adequately, uh, how can we put it, both mobile and technical central midfielders. So the, the, the 4-3-3 that was mooted isn't possible because he did say in previous interviews that that's what he wants to do. But uh, but we we haven't really had the players to play that for most of the season. Um, or has he decided that actually now this four-two-three-one with the players we have is something that could be aimed for for the future I mean certainly the the uh, level of interest in Erdegaard suggests that that's something he might be looking at or is he thinking of something of you know having something close to what Man City do and just having one bloke in the middle of midfield who can cover a shit ton of ground and kick people and then loads of ball playing players ahead of that and we're still at the point of trying to work that out because we mm. know that the squad he has is a squad that three manager stroke coaches in a way would, would, would like to take some taken some major surgery to and yeah. you know some of that surgery has happened some of that surgery will be probably happening this summer um and there's a it lot not,
0: of- it it's not surgery that's needed that's the thing it's not on amputation like that's it's form of surgery <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, but, but that's the thing like, I wasn't thinking like, of Keyhole <laughs> no but like and I don't mean with a chainsaw either but like how many players if you look at Arsenal if you wanted to build a team say that was going to compete for not the title next year because that's look even there's nothing strong enough to make me think that but if you're going to say right these are the players I want to build around how many are there on, like, count them. It's staff from the back. Leno? Eh. Tierney? Yes. Any other defender? Gabriel. C- Gabriel, okay. Saliba, if he's, if he, if yeah, him and Arteta can get on the same page, because he's been brilliant for Nice, but playing in a system that requires him to run, and Arteta doesn't want his defenders to run. Can, can Arsenal build a side with that three? And then they need how many midfielders? Yeah, because they have right now. They have one. They have party. You're not going to win anything with Granite. Jack as your midfielder. We've seen it. We we have five years of proof. It, it, it's the, it's the exact same thing I said with Mesedozo three years ago. If you want, if you believe that he's going to lead you with, to it, build a team around him. If you don't, get rid. And they did two years too late. It's yeah. the same now with Jack. If you think that Xhaka is going to be the linchpin of your midfield for the next five years, he's took what two years left in his contract. Yeah, yeah. If you, th- if you think he's going to be the centerpiece of your midfield, you have to give him a new deal now. Yes. If you don't, you have to sell him now. Yeah. And there is decisions like that to be made throughout the squad. Willian the same? If he's like, look, we got you on a free. It's not working. If bye. That, <laughs> bye. There's no decision. It's can we no get decision. rid of it him? It's you have to make a decision between Lacazette or Aubameyang. Well, also with
1: Lacazette, you've got the thing that's only a year left on his contract. So you, yeah. either, you either stick or you twist, but you can't just d- dither because right. otherwise you're wasting value.
0: Or if you stick and you go, right, Aubameyang's our number one, Lacazette's our number two. You have to make sure that either Gabriel Martinelli or Foller and Balogun are at a Premier League club next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot have them sitting on the bench like you did this year. That's an absolute non non runner. They need minimum twenty games next year. Minimum. Sure. And if Gabrielle, if you're thinking of Gabrielle uh, at Martinelli and saying right, he's going to be a left winger kind of CF, then you can't spend sixty million on an attacking midfielder. You can't because you've if your if your front four is Bamiang, Martinelli, Smith, Rowan, and Saka. You cannot spend sixty million. That's going to take one of those middle three out. You can no, because well, that's your
1: any, future. Well, the only way Arsenal can spend that money in that position is if it's someone that they feel can also do a job deeper uh, in either that formation or the aforementioned four-three-three. And and you know that's one of the question marks about Odegaard. Can he do that? Could he be the, a sort of Norwegian David Silver figure if we, if Arteta wants to go down that route? And of course. Mm. If Arteta wants to go down that route, then that's a sign that makes sense because it gives you can fulfill roles in both formations. If he just wants to stick with the formation he's been playing, it's probably not a worthwhile investment for that amount of money uh, mm. because ultimately, for the reasons you've explained, you're having said that then that puts you in a position if you don't do it then you're smith only one who plays number
0: 10 can you rely on on him for every game of the season so you, you, you definitely need a number 10 but yeah. I wouldn't spend 60 million on it well exactly not, not in a not in a market where players are going to be you know coming free left right and centre
1: well like, also not I, in a market where Saliba's last game of the season goal may have made uh, Hassan
0: Noir available at a more reasonable price uh, apologies to exactly Limey. I agree, and if Arsenal are going to this again, these are the questions that Arsenal have to answer. If they're going to go four three three, the the Man City model with one defensive midfielder and two box to boxes, if they make Thomas Party the defensive midfielder, they've wasted fifty million. Yeah, totally agree. That's the thing. If they go four two three one, and they say right, we're going to bring in, we're going to let's say they let's say they buy Martin Odegaard. And the plan is for Odegaard to play beside Party as the two. Uh, who's going to be doing the defending? I was going to say that's classic Wengerball, <laughs> right there. <laughs> like, if, like if if you're looking at if you're going to go four two three one and one of the midfield two is Party, you don't need another attacking midfielder. You need a more defensive one. Yeah, I
1: totally. Agree. You, you you need to well, be need looking another, at you need another more defensive midfielder. Anyway, anyway, simply because the squad is not, you know, you could keep El Menife to be a kind of cheap, it runs around a lot option for a yeah. year because yeah. you're not and, get any sell value for him,
0: so that's fine. Yeah. But and Maitland Niles, Maitland Niles could easily be the fourth, fifth midfielder if midfielder. if he's if yeah. yeah, like if he stays and if you know, unless Wolves want to come back with that twenty five million that we turned down last year, eek. Well, but, I heard that the bid was only 15 million, which is why we turned it down. And the 20th, Right. We were yeah, well, that, that would make more sense. But would you take 15 million from now?
1: Um, it, I mean, it really depends on what what he wants and what he's willing to do. You know, if, yeah. he, if he's yeah, willing yeah. to be a backup midfielder who also does a job at fullback, then no, keep him because, you know, the homegrown quotas mean need, we need homegrown players. And he's a player that has shown... That he can play to a certain level in both of those roles, but if he's like, I'm not playing fullback, then you sell him. It's as simple as that because he won't get in the games as a central midfielder. Yeah, but that is, you know, I mean, that's why obviously there's been all the, the, the only issues, uh, from from Brighton. Uh, although you know, there's talk that Liverpool might want him, and that yeah, like, but that's a that's the kind of player that fulfills all the role you're talking about. It's someone who is a is very proactive, very can play more expensive, expansively, but is basically a proper defensive midfielder. Same with this lad from Anderlecht we've been linked to, um, Albert Sambi-Lukonga, who uh, I've only seen highlights of, but looks like a a very similar sort of player to assume only slightly more expansive in terms of what he can do in carrying the ball. But they're basically proper athletes who can win the ball and, uh, and are technically uh, competent and positionally intelligent. And we need, whether it be either of those individuals, but we need someone who can do that in the squad, regardless of anything yep. else, but how much you are prioritizing a certain tactic depends how much money you're prepared to spare spend for that role.
0: Yep. Like I said, the only re the only way I would legitimize spending like proper money on an attacking player this summer is if you're going to say that you're not spending any money at all on a backup left back, and that Saka is going to be basically both your starting right winger or left winger, whichever way you want to play him, and your backup left back.
1: Ryan Bertrand, <laughs> right? I'm <On a> free, <laughs> you know you want it. Come on, Edu. <laughs> but, but we can. Yes, the voices can't. they're hearing, though. I'm not saying that's what we want. I'm just saying. That's I know,
0: the, that's I know the but temptation. we can't, we can't complain about getting Cedric on a free, and then next year by the lad who played opposite wing from him at Southampton on a free, like. And Bertrand is 31. Bertrand, like the the Brian Bertrand we have in our head, is the 23 year old who bombed up and down the left wing. That's been gone for three years. He is not that type of player. So. Yes, he's a backup left-back, but he would not be a backup left-back in what we need, which is someone who covers every blade of grass on the left wing because we don't play a left-winger. We never play a left-winger. If it's Martinelli, he cuts inside. If it's Aubameyang, he cuts inside. If it's Smith-Rowe, he cuts inside. You know, the only time we play a left-winger is Saka. And he drifts. Yeah. and he drifts, which is what we want him to do. Because yeah. the last thing we want to do is pigeonhole him and say, stand there, because his danger is the lad can turn up anywhere. You know, yeah. use his versatility. So if you're going to be bringing in someone, like I say, it'd probably be you know, the the young lad from Hibernian. You know, it needs to be someone coming in. God, what we would give for Gail Clichy right now.
1: Yeah, but having said that, there is a counter argument, which is, Kieran Tierney is still a young man.
0: Yeah, You're but his body, but his body isn't.
1: No, it's true. But he, he injuries permitting, he's no, he's the first choice left back for the next five years. You know. Oh him. yeah, yeah. So again, what young player with aspirations of playing regularly is going to that is capable of playing at the level we want is going to want to make that that leap we're either going to have to get someone that's sufficiently young and inexperienced yep. that they're going to cost you points when they play at premier league level or you need someone that's a bit more grizzled who's prepared to to accept they might only play 20 times a season in all competitions and that's yeah. uh, for me that's why even though even though Ryan Bertrand is not a good example that kind of transfer of that kind of player makes a certain degree of sense yep. uh, because you just want someone who can
0: Fill the hole. Yeah. T- yeah like it, if, and if Callum if Callum Chambers or Ainsley Maitland Niles were left footed, we wouldn't be selling either of them.
1: Yeah, of course. And, and, and well, that relates to the other point I was going to bring up on the subject, which is that either you're trying to get someone that can do the same job as Tierney on the left, or you're looking for someone who's more defensive, as is to give it a tactical option, and you're looking to then bring in a right back. You know who is who is the next next version of Hakimi at Inter? Who's good luck with that? <laughs> yeah, well, well, not him, but you know someone who has uh, who is an overtly attacking right
0: wing back. Problem is, there's none of them. Like like go go through all the attacking right backs in your head right now in the world. Well, I mean, the, the,
1: the newspapers are determined, are determined to tell us they're going to be buying Max Ahrens, even though his his, uh, his value is going to be uh, through the roof, at having not yeah.
0: promoted. But, but um, that's the problem. There's no like, there's no one of like, yes, it, Hector Bellerin before his injury, obviously, it would be perfect. But we can clearly see that he's down a yard, if not two yards, of pace, and he's never he's never had. He's been an OK crosser and an OK dribbler and an OK pass, but never anything more than that. And that part of his game needed to kick on the more his pace deteriorated of over course. time. And it, and it hasn't. So as a result, with Arteta playing super wide and all of his play, especially going down the right, you don't need to be Trent, Alexander-Arnold, to you know work that did this, but you need to be at least a threat as a crosser. And Bellerin isn't. No. So, no. find finding someone of and it, that has at least decent attacking capabilities is a must. Just so he acts as a decoy, so that Tyranny has more room to go down the left. But again, like Tyree Clamty at Brighton, the next big thing pulls his hamstrings out for six months. Like you know, Baku from Wolfsburg. Everyone's looking at him because there are no really good attacking wing. You know, right backs that just play right back. You know, the cat, what, r- what about that fellow Celic who's just won the league at Lille? give them some more money uh, he's all right like he's he's not great he's he's all right but like it's it's the French. like it is the french league mm. you know like we've just we've just spent 72 million on a winger that was carving up the right hand side of the defences down that year and it's taken him two years to get used to the league it's it's a tricky one like real madrid are resorting to playing lucas as right back
1: yeah, you know, and I bet they're feeling it's... great about letting Hakimi know and go now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but of... They brought in Audrey Zola, they brought in you know, Carver Hall they brought in you, know, and none of it's working. You know, they brought well, in. I the mean, Carvajal a
1: fine fullback, but he's just had so many
0: injuries. Yeah, and yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, you know, Bayern Munich, you know, got Benjamin Pavard at right back. Yeah, you know, they're playing Joshua Kimmich at right back. Yeah. You know, like and you compare that to all the left backs that they're playing Alfonso Davies' left back and Josh should yeah. right back. You know, the hare and the tortoise. It's 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 gad. like you know, Barcelona can't find a right back to save themselves. You know, if they go from Dest to Roberto, they, no one.
1: Of course, no, speaking par- of this, we've been linked with Mazrawi from Ajax, um, as another right fullback. Uh, yeah. although he's He's shall we say he's a bit closer to Mr. Chambers than he is to and yes. in terms of yeah. stylistically. But uh, then,
0: if you so if you want an attacking right back, you have to go English. But they're all at good clubs. Reese yeah. James, Trent, you know, like it's you know unless you want to go unless you want to go completely left 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 field and go James Tavern uh, Tavernier. From, from if, 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 if you for if, Rangers, but like it's it defensively, like, no, thank you. No, you know, it's so what do you do? Like it's it it might be the case of hope
1: to hell that the club
0: in its after having sacked all its scouts has has at least data that can find it players that we haven't thought of. (laughs) And and that's the problem. It's like this is where you want like yes, it was Sven Mistlentat who said we need a world class player, let's spend sixty million on Pierre emerick or Bamiyang six mm. months after not being at the club when they spent fifty two million on Alexander Lacazette. Mm. You know, like it's like most of his signs, like you said, have worked out. You know, if we buy Gwenduzy what do we buy Gwendusie for a million? And like no, no, pro- six, six or seven million. Six, six or seven. Okay. But still like if we get ten from, from Marseille, it's a bonus. You know, like most of his signings have panned out, but it's gonna be the Obama one that he's judged on and it's well, never fair. I don't think that's oh. what it
1: would be judged on because most people would still do that again. They just wish they hadn't done the Lacazette thing directly before. Yeah, but, um, but it's it's more on the th- on the things like Torreira, you know, and, and
0: players like who actually <laughs> is a significant signing. Um, and we all we all loved it. Let's be like none of us yeah. are going to say that was a bad side. When Torreira signed, we were like, finally, a defensive midfielder who's really good at tackling and can knock the ball around a bit. And then we played him at ten.
1: Yeah, then Umairi <laughs> broke him, and then Arteta, and then he sort of Arteta came in and didn't really fancy him. And no, the thing, is, the thing with Torreira is he was he turned up and we were excited because it was the type of player that we'd been wanting for years and years and years. He's brilliant for Sampdoria. Over time, he's demonstrated that he's not quite got the attributes to be a long-term option in that role in the Premier League. Yeah. Basically, he's really good over the over 10 yards. Yeah. Uh, but in the Premier League, he's really good over 20 yards for that. Yeah. One. And that's yeah. essentially what it is. Is like literally, yep. he doesn't have the physical attributes to be no. at the top level in the Premier League. If he was, if he was a bit quicker and a bit bigger, he would have been perfect. But yep. ultimately, he he's not needs to be in a slow, slightly slower paced league. Um, it's worth a try. We're not going to make a huge loss
0: in him. I don't decry the intention. But well, it's it's the exact you could you could literally take Lucas Torreira's name out of that and put in Granit Xhaka and you'd have the exactly the same exactly the same. He just can't run over he can he can get the, get you there over 10 yards but as we found out against Villarreal playing him left back as soon as someone has a 5 yard run on him he's tossed
1: Although isn't it interesting how uh, Chicoese who is, he got injured for Villarreal described him as his hardest opponent in the Europa League this season?
0: Because he stood because yeah, <laughs> he yeah. didn't he, like, he was the only one like Chakwesi is a very tricky winger. He's explosive, but Jacques was like, I'm not fouling you, so I'm just gonna stand in front of you. Yeah, I'm not gonna buy any of your dribble moves, I'm not gonna buy any of your feints. And Chakwati was like, I'm so used to having to dribble past people, I don't want to just knock it past you, Theo Walcott style, and run past you. Yet because we were so deep, he couldn't do that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so like it's it's one of those ones where anytime he did get him one-on-one on one in the first leg he sauntered past him but he, but Arteta knew full well well I can't let him do that so I'm going to play basically five at the back you know have, have everyone you know encased in front of our penalty area and make sure that there isn't that space behind Xhaka to run in yeah. which was smart which was smart but it meant playing Xhaka at left back Yeah, <laughs> which, which wasn't you know like it's hey. yes we yeah. had when we had the ball it made sense but that's only half the game and also, it's, it's, it didn't make sense because we didn't we didn't
1: have Jack in midfield, and ultimately, in a slightly slower-paced game, you do want a player who's got the strength that Jack has got. Um, mm. As Adam you said before, Jack represents a glass ceiling for this Arsenal team. Uh, I, I do think that he's a player that, if he'd be willing to accept a squad role, could still be very useful. But, uh, but as you say, the contractual situation means you kind of have to make that decision. Yeah. Uh, and I think most Arsenal fans, even though there's more support for him now than there has been and certainly any time in the previous couple of years, he, he's not the guy you build a team around. You know, He's he's a better player than most people have credited him for, but ultimately mm-hmm. he's not taking you to the promised land, and that's, yep. that's that. Um, yep. And as you were saying, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and, and, and a lot of them depend on what, what's the long-term idea. And that's going back to what I was saying, that's the thing we don't know yet. We know we know what's the you know, Alteta first came in, he was like, okay, everything's fucked up. There are certain things we just need to sort. Stop people acting like dickheads, stop people uh taking the mick, um, just bring some standards of professionalism back to the club. Then it was get the dickheads out, teach the team how to defend. Uh, and then it became, okay, now the team have sort of learned how to defend, let's try and get someone in the half spaces. But it's been sort of one building block at a time, uh, most building, most of which have come at the slight expense of other things. But this is this is the opportunity to show us, okay, what what's the actual plan here, rather than just putting out fires. Uh, yeah. And I think and I think a lot of people, because Wenger was so good at squeezing some attacking juice out of his players, regardless of regardless of their relative talent levels. It sort of made people underestimate how bad some of the problems were, I think, particularly, you know, I mean, those who were sort of us who are sort obsessive about it, of us realised that, wow, there's some people in this club that should leave the club for the benefit of the yes. club.
0: And look, we have to, uh, I'll be Mr. Positive here for a second, like we have to also give, not credit, but we also have to state how hard a job this is. Yeah. Like, right, like this, in terms of, oh, well, all he has to do is get back into the top four. Okay, let's look at it. Let's look at the people above us. Uh, Everton have just lost, you know, Carlo Ancelotti. They'll get in someone, but that might be, you know, after Villa reached their ceiling. So we're still talking about the top five and Leicester. Are Leicester going to be better next year with Champions League money and Brendan Rodgers still there? Probably. Probably. You know, like, uh, probably. You know, again, I'm giving Brendan Rodgers no credit because fuck him. But, you know, that team is really bloody good. So that's one, right? Then you've got to get past. Pep Guardiola, Mm -hmm. Jurgen Klopp, Thomas Tuchel, all three who have won the Champions League, Uh, and then whoever Tottenham gets in, and if it's Antonio Conte, someone who's won the league in the Premier League. So that's the challenge ahead. Spurs, sorry, (laughs) money makes the world go round. The world go round. Like they they paid Jose Mourinho. What was it, fifteen million a year? Yeah. Like like Conte would take two thirds of that. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's you know, and if it's if, if his remit is keep Harry Kane, or if his remit is I want to spend money, and they go, Right, okay, Manchester City are about to bid us 120 million for Harry Kane. Here's your here's your money. He might take that. Mm. He mm. he just might take that because he's not allowed for staying in jobs. He might give me a two-year contract. If it works, yay If it doesn't, oh well, I'm off anyway. Mm. So it, you know, he's got big English on him. Obviously, he's won the league at Chelsea, so it's not like he doesn't know London. Like it's but that's that's the scale. That's the scale of the job ahead of him. He's got, you know, three Champions League winning managers, a Leicester side that really, that won the cup. God knows how much money United are going to spend on that attack and maybe another centre-back. And then, you know, Tottenham bringing in a manager who, if you are in the Arteta out bandwagon, they're probably going to be getting the manager that you want. Like, you might want Antonio Conte. You might want Mauricio Pochettino. They're probably going to get one of those two. So, you know, like that's, Six clubs that Arsenal are actually gonna to have to finish at least ahead of three of them. Yep. That's hey. not easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: I think I think most Arsenal fans recognize the reality. They recognise that a title challenge is Cloud Cuckoo Land at the moment. Top four is possible but requires stars to align. It's about get it's about getting getting that f- you know, making sure that we're the Europa League again. Uh, but with not through the back door, and that's that's a realistic ambition. It's not an easy ambition, but it's a realistic ambition. I mean, obviously, so much depends on. We keep on hearing these whispers about the Cronkies putting their hands in their pockets, but
0: I would see. Much, I would believe that when I see it. Yeah, exactly. It's know, to like, what level? It's to what
1: level? Uh, I mean, I think they're going to do something in that arena because otherwise, otherwise, it's going to get uh, pretty pretty tasty. And I suspect. Uh, although for everything they did in St. Louis and not to give a shit, I do think that there's something about English football, English football crowds, that and uh, the sort of culture of English football, that that hostility can be sustained in a much more visible and public way for a longer yeah. period of time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, now, look, St. Louis are bringing the Cronkies... To court, there the, yeah. the city of St. Louis wants to sue the Cronkies for one billion dollars, and that's not with an M, that's with a B, and it's going to court. You know, they've managed to find a judge that will take the case, and again, the stadium that he built in you know outside Los Angeles is worth three billion. Yeah. So, like, he's he's up money. Like this man, this man is from St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, this man bought a piece of the Los Angeles Rams in order to take them to St. Louis, gained majority control of the St. Louis Rams, had a stadium built for him, lovely dome, built in 96, 97, lasts for 20 years. He goes like every American owner does in that sport and every other big sport. Oh, no, I'm poor. I need the city to build a new stadium for me. City told him to swivel, so he swiveled literally did a U-turn, 180, and went back to Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, yeah, like
0: It's like like we're asking that man to have compassion. We're asking that man to have a conscience. I don't think I, we're asking
1: him to have compassion or a conscience. All I'm asking him is to recognize that uh, if he doesn't act, then his very expensive prime visible global asset – you know, Arsenal might not be worth as much as, as as the Rams, but in terms of global reach and potential worth, it's far outstrips them because nobody outside of America really watches American football. Thank you very much. Yeah, true. Uh,
0: but but to to, to counter that, they they finished eighth. This is the worst season Arsenal have had in 25 years. This yeah. is the worst season that if you're under the age of 30, maybe even 35, this is the worst Arsenal team you've ever seen. Yep. Yeah. And someone just bid £2 billion from last week. Yeah. But he
1: must, just through a pure cold-hearted business angle, particularly now the European Super League has been, uh, shall we say, shelved, postponed until a future date, I believe. Yes. Uh, he must recognise that the asset value growth of Arsenal Football Club has slowed significantly and without further investment... If Arsenal continue to go backwards and not be a European team anymore, there's a there's an asset there that could easily, with a bit of success, be worth four billion in three or four years.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But if it does nothing, it could actually either stagnate or even reduce in value.
0: Yeah. But well, so- he paid in total what six seventy. 670 million total something along those lines between 6 and 700 million like it's not going to be an FSG job where you know Arsenal are going to be worth 200 million and they come in and they go right okay all we have to do is make Liverpool competent again and we'll triple quadruple our money and they got lucky you know Jurgen Klopp decided that Dortmund wasn't the club for him three months before Brendan Rodgers completely fucked Liverpool up and he was sitting on a beach literally there and going oh Liverpool want me this is the perfect club for me both in terms of style of play and politically, you could not have found right. a better person for that city than totally agree. Jurgen Klopp. Totally agree. You know, like you know, like uh, never mind fits. Uh, this is this man was uh, tailor made for Liverpool, not the not the club, the city. Yeah. A man who goes in and actually staunchly believes in in both you know the working class man, socialism, the nine yards, and he's not afraid to talk about it. You know that was he is a Liverpool man with a German accent no one will ever be able to convince me of anything otherwise he was perfect for that and just bringing him in probably added a billion euro to the to the value of Liverpool Football Club over the last five years like it's like Arsenal will never be that Arsenal will will never be that much of a bargain but is how long would it have to take for Arsenal to be in Liverpool's position because they won the Champions League in 2006 got to the final in 2008 nearly won the league in 2009 it was 2011 when they were in the shits. Like, mm. it might need another year or two of this before it actually becomes a depreciating depreciating asset. Because if Arsenal finish eighth next year, Arteta will be gone. That's an absolute yeah, yeah. no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. But Arsenal will still be able to spend the sort of money that 10 or 12 clubs in the world can own, that would they be able to match and that's it. Arsenal will always have the wages, will always have the location. Like, We'd still be able. We would still be a very, very, very attractive football club to go play play for. Sixty thousand a week in the the stadium, London to live in, Premier League wages to spend.
1: And And of course, there is there is the fact that just on that point that you know there was arguments on between different people on Talksport. I think about whether. Chelsea and Arsenal, which was the bigger club. And you, you look at the, 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 the trophies won in the last 20, 20, well, almost 20 years, 15 years, and there's no comparison at all, but you still had an Spurs player arguing that Arsenal were the biggest club in London. Uh, yeah. uh, and, but the thing is that size is a wonderful base to springboard from, but it's not being utilized in the yeah. last 15 years and yeah. any sound investor must recognize that while there is no guaranteed return at all at the right investment at the right time, I mean, they're probably gonna to wanna to see some more signs of growth from Arteta before they're willing to really put their hand in their pocket. But if they believe in this guy or he, or there's obvious progress continues, then it'd be actually stupid of them to not make an investment. And that was always my biggest problem with the previous Arsenal board. You know, post the Emirates move, is they put their hand? They you know sat on their hands at the time when Arsenal were the the perfect club, in almost the perfect position to go stratospheric with a little bit of investment. You had yeah. a, a, a legendary manager at the peak of his powers. You had a team that had just done something truly historic. They were in the, getting to the Champions League final. They're on the verge of becoming a proper. Not just a european super club but like an elite super club up there with you know not real madrid and maybe not you know barcelona but you know on the heat getting more into the position where you can have the european super league conversation without feeling a bit embarrassed you know that they were actually in the top 10 clubs in the whole of europe and they just didn't put a penny in from that point onwards and we lost 10 years of momentum And we're in a situation where actually, while despite the value growing in in cash terms, it hasn't grown in real terms compared to our competitors. And the club hasn't moved on. And if you're looking at it from a purely cold-hearted business perspective, it's incredibly obvious that if you think you've got the right person, and they might require convincing of that, but if you think you've got the right person, you invest. Because you'd be wasting such an incredible growth opportunity. Like, imagine how much Arsenal be worth if they actually finally won the Champions League.
0: Because, a lot, because I mean, a lot already, more.
1: Like, already a huge super club in terms of value, without having ever done anything of any note in European competition, bar a couple of Cup winners' cups and the Fairs Cup in 1970.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and look, like, like we can be, we can be your, you know rose-tinted Arsenal fan here, and say, well, look, if it wasn't for you know a bounce of a ball in two thousand and six, they would have won the Champions League. If it wasn't for the, you know, yeah, yeah. if it wasn't for Wayne Bridge in two thousand and four, they probably would have won the Champions League. And if it wasn't for Eduardo having his leg broken in two thousand and nine, they would have won the league there, and they would have been able to, you know, if they'd won the league there, Sesk doesn't leave, and Robin from Percy doesn't leave, because yeah. they would have already won the league. They wouldn't have had to go to Barcelona and Manchester United in the search of the trophies that they were would, that would they would have went, went on to win because they would have already won them. Like you would have been able to keep that. So there is a sense of bad luck in there as well. But it was the fact that Arsenal in two thousand six moving into the Emirates. Yes, we were in the middle of you know Jose Mourinho ball and that. But when Liverpool are buying Fernando Torres out of Atletico Madrid. You know, when, when that, those are the types of players that Arsenal should have been known for. Well, Not Eduardo out of, well, out of Dynamo. You know. Yeah, I mean, more personally, that when we decide decided that we
1: can't pay more than 10 million for Cristiano Ronaldo a few years earlier, because again, the directors aren't putting any money in at all, you know. Yep. Diamond Danny put a little bit in, but the rest of them didn't put a penny in and all worked walked yeah. away very rich people. Yep. But they could have walked away doubly rich if they'd just been smart at that time. Yeah. Because uh, at that point we still had the manager with the appeal. We still had the, the elite players with that appeal. We yep. still had the scouting network that was the envy of Europe. You know, we were still yep. getting Zlatan, you know, yes, we there was a trial thing. But the fact is he was he was still being spotted before he even went to Bloody Ajax, you know. Yeah. Um and but the problem is is we can't claim it's bad luck because teams who are genuinely competing for European honours, they don't just get one shot. Yeah, They don't just get one shot at the league title in five years. They don't just get one or two shots at the Champions League. They're always in the conversation. And Arsenal have thrown away a position where they should have been that club. Uh, But the thing is, because of the size of the club, they're never going to be that far away. It's just at the moment, obviously domestically, it's very challenging. But there's a reason why the two major European finals have three... English teams out of four um, you know the Premier League is the most challenging league in the world and you can be the fourth best team in the Premier League and still be the eighth best team in Europe
0: yeah yeah easily like I said look at the league table Arsenal are eighth that's an abomination there's six points behind the European Cup winners yeah who they beat They're, twice who they beat twice <laughs> you know and one, one of them was you know three weeks before the European Cup final yeah. Or a month, a month before the European Cup final. Like it's there's definitely something to build on, but that I think that's probably where we, you know, that's where I think where we both are. Is that, as I said at the start of the pod, this is a football manager's wet dream. This is where you can go, right, okay, I've got lots to work with here. But it's very easily screwed up if you sell the wrong player, if you make the wrong decision, if you you know, if you offer if you buy, you know, Shakodra and Mustafi for thirty-five million. If you buy Granite Shaka for thirty-five million, you know you can buy Mesut for forty and Alexis Sanchez for thirty-two, all you want. But if you spend, you know, a lot of money on Mustafi and Shaka, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And it's going to be interesting to see what Arteta and Edu do here, the pair them, because they have one shot at this. You know, they they don't get read. They've already used their get out jail free card with last season. You know, like. The, yeah, and I don't even I, I don't mean the whole of last season I mean from the moment they won the FA Cup until the moment Emile Smith-Rowe started his first game that's yeah. your us forgetting that ever happened is your get out of jail free card the fact that there was no crowd to watch that dross is should you know if, if Arteta is still at the club at five years time and we're celebrating winning a league or a Champions League or a couple of trophies the fact that there was no fans to watch that miserable football yeah. will have saved his job Oh, am, you know. So let's not say that we are we are a hundred percent behind our head here. We are very much let's wait and see. We are very much he needs to come out all guns blazing after the summer and go right. Here's our new team. Here's what I want to do. Here's this is my blueprint. This is what how I want the Arsenal to play. If it's still a mishmash of last season, go. You know, we know that the stuff that worked, that didn't work last season, isn't going to work this season. Especially when Liverpool now will have a full preseason, and United, and City, and Chelsea, and Tottenham, and Leicester. You know, everyone's getting a chance to reset. Mm. So will we. You have to take it. You absolutely have to take it. And if you don't, we have to bring in someone next year who will. As you say, well, you know, even m- m- me and my endless optimism.
1: It's, I'm not saying that Arteta's the man. All I've ever said is. He's shown me enough to make me think he's worth more time because I think, I don't know if he'll do it at Arsenal, but I think there is an excellent manager there. It's just a case of whether he finds all the components quickly enough for us. And then he's lucky enough to be in a club, which is huge, where we're willing to give him more time than most Um, partly because that's just the culture of the club, partly that's the culture of the owners and partly because we're not exactly starting from a position of optimum opportunity from when he first turned up. Now of course the other thing we have to factor in which is going to make the summer complex but also uh, exciting is that the youngsters we've seen in the first team already are not the only ones you know we've got over a, a an intake of, say, three or four youth intakes. We have the best collection of young players this club has had since the early 80s, early to mid-80s. You know, obviously we know about the ones, we know about Saka, we know about Smith-Rowe, there was the question marks over Inketia, Willock, uh, Nelson, etc. But also we've, you know, we've got Miguel Aziz coming up, who looks a proper player. have got Flo Balagan coming up. And then, the, and then the, the group that were just in the under-18s this year has a great breadth of talent maybe not anyone quite as good as say as a wilshire or a sacker individually but the breadth of talent across that group is fantastic so you've got a fantastic opportunity as a coach to not just have the british core but have your squad positions filled out by kids that come through your club so you don't have to worry about getting your 25 man senior squad yeah. particularly without European football. You've got a chance to really hone in the players you really want, and then you can fill the gaps over the next couple of years with some of these younger players coming in. And most of mm-hmm. them won't make it, but they'll add to your transfer kitty as long as they get a bit of exposure. But there will be enough of them that make it to a sufficient degree that it's going to give you a lot more flexibility, and particularly as uh, a, number that are, a number of them are, have the level of multifunctionality that Arteta desires. You know they could. Yeah. You know they can play six or eight, or they can play either wing, or they can play wing and fullback, or they can play striker and out wide, or whatever. There's a lot. There's a lot there. It's just about making sure that you show enough growth in the next year to have the opportunity to reap the benefit of those younger players coming in and 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 fleshing out the squad for when we're back in a European competition.
0: But even like probably just to sum up, maybe before we go, but even that's. Not a complete home run for Arsenal either, because do you know who else is having a great academy right now? Everyone. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Manchester City have their best young crop in 20 years. So do United. So do Liverpool. So do Chelsea. So do Leicester. Tottenham maybe, maybe there might be a year or two behind everyone else. But look at Norwich. Like, obviously, picking yeah. up Wendy was you know, for a cheap deal was fantastic, but Max Arons, you know, um uh, Andrew Armabamadeli, the Irish young lad, the centre—he's unbelievable. Like every academy, Chris, I've, there's a there's a Damien who works in our local Tesco is the only Crystal Palace fan I know, but even he's raving about the fact that their academy is full. Like every like the English academy system is what I know. The French academy system is still churning them out right now, but. The English Academy system right now is what Claire Fontaine was 20 years ago. It's pumping out kids. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely pumped. Like, look, like, Dortmund are not buying every English kid they can for no reason. They, they, they went Sancho and they went, right, well, that's worked. Who's next? Oh, there's a young lad who plays with Birmingham. Okay, we'll spend 20 billion on them. I guess how oh, that's worked. You yeah. know, like, like the, the English system is the envy of the, maybe apart from France, but the envy of the world right now, which right now if we could throw out a centre defender or two, that'd be great. But in every other position, they're loaded. England's loaded. And so when Arsenal are bringing up the likes of the Azizes and the Baloghans over the next year or two, we'll be going, "Ah, great, okay, here's one or two more. But for every Aziz, there's going to be a Phil Voden, there's going to be a Mason Mount, there's going to be a Harvey Elliott, there's going to be a Curtis Jones, there's going to be, you know, like a Mason Greenwood. Like, we're not going to have the monopoly on this like no. we did ten years ago when when it was just Wilshire. Like everyone's going to have young players coming through now. We got to adapt to that as well. What we do have is a a window where we
1: have no European football. We have uh, a fan base whose expectation levels are re- sufficiently realistic. To not go on the wall path if we throw some kids in, and, and the results aren't as good as they could be. As long mm-hmm. as there are shoots, as long as there are signs of progress, you know that's yeah. what the fan base is at at the moment. And also, we, we, we it, you know, we're in a better position to utilize those players because of the realities of where we are. But it's all about how intelligent we do our business, because you obviously can't throw player young players into. Teams that are totally dysfunctional and expect them to thrive. You know, we're going to have more opportunities for these kids. And I mean, Chelsea's academy has been top of the pops for decades, but it's only or for two decades. But it's only been the last the last three or four years that any of them have got a game
0: at all. Yeah. Well, at Chelsea. Yeah. We we have to say at Chelsea. You know, considering you know Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Mohamed Salah, Ramad Lukaku. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they have they, they, had, had one those, or two minor successes. <laughs> but, those, but those yeah, but those weren't domestically produced players. No, no, that's my point. Like, yeah, like yeah. Yeah, it's but, you know,
1: but, like, but the but the fact is, is they only gave young kids a chance because they had a transfer ban. That yes. was it, and it's yes. not in their club culture to do that on a regular basis. No, nope. United will always do it, but yeah. but United do, as you say. Then they're, they're going to spend big and it's going to close a door for somebody. You yes. know, City will always throw money at the problem. Foden breaking through is purely a demonstration of how truly exceptional he is. Yes. They're just not going most of their great kids are not going to get a sniff of anything beyond the league yeah well Jaden Sancho won (laughs) (laughs) you know like you know like Christ Liverpool's Liverpool's interesting because they're obviously going to need some renewal but even they you know they only seem to
0: Harvey Elliott pissed the championship last year let's be fair yeah, but then of course they pinched him from Fulham for peanuts. They, and they, they did, they did. That's true. But that—that's again, that's the problem. Like the big clubs have been hoovering up talent all around them for yeah, ten yeah. years now. Like I said, Raheem Sterling, another one Liverpool got from QPR, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like, like it's it's been the it's what it's what clubs doing. Look, we we got we got a from Chelsea for crying out loud. <laughs> well, that's a bit different because Chelsea <laughs> let him go. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But that's that's the thing. Like it's that's what you know they're gonna to have to adapt to now like it's oh, yeah, you know yeah. yes we yes we've got kids coming through but so does everyone so the idea that the kids are going to save us no so mm-hmm. i mean uh, you know they're not something to be relied upon but they're a resource that the
1: state of the club and the cultural club adds a greater value to than some of our competitors yes uh yes. because you know we we can give a player a couple of years yeah, and if they don't work out, okay. Then hopefully someone, someone mid table sees enough and wants to buy them. But yeah. you know, we can we we can give them a couple of years. Not every we you know we all know that not everyone's going to be Bukayo Saka and look like the shit at
0: seventeen. You know, yeah. Um, like but, I said if 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 Joe Willick goes for twenty million and scores against us, it's going to be like oh Jesus. But that should be Arsenal's job, you know, producing yeah. Premier League footballers. You know, some of them are going to stay and some of them are going to bring you in a lot of money and last year if you'd said Joe Willock was 20 million no one would have said it now it's like I don't know maybe we can find a role for him even like even though we all know he doesn't fit anywhere in this system that Arteta plays and if someone sees value in him and goes okay we think he's worth 20 million thanks well the question it you know, takes us back to the earlier
1: question which is what is what is the system and if it's the four three three. 3 3 then suddenly he's back on the table. So again, it's something we're going to. What the decision is with Willock is going to tell us a lot about what the plan is. Because if we're playing 4-2-3-1, there's not a lot of point really keeping him if a, if a good bid comes in, you know, twenty-five million or something, because he just won't get the game time for us. Yep. But if we're playing, if we're playing, if we're playing, even if it's just part of the time, this four-three-three that has been mooted at one point. Then he's, he's perfect. Fixed that he's perfect. Very for, well. He's, he's perfect. In for the him. same way that why the hell we never did that when we had Ramsey and Wilshire. Uh,
0: but that's another question oh, for another. Oh, 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 oh. Um, oh, I need. I need beer.
1: <laughs> well, on that note, I think we'll 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 take a pause there. We've done a bit of a, a state of the nation. Um, I mean all I will say just before we wrap up, we, we we've mentioned the links to defensive midfielders Basuma and, and the chap at Andelect whose name's temporarily escaped me. But what do you think about this story about the Ajax
0: goalkeeper? <laughs> um, oh no, nah, no. what's his name? Oh nah, etc. etc. Um, um it, it, it all depends on whether you believe him. What do you mean? It's a well, he's, he's serving a twelve-month uh, oh, right. drug test for, for 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 a substance that hides the use of steroids. Like, yeah. if if you believe that his mother that his missus was taking a pill and he took one by accident, good for you. If he's telling the truth, good for him. If he isn't, like, you have to be damn careful with these things. Like, you have to be you have to be a hundred percent certain that a he wasn't on. You know, and again, he maintains that he never did. And if you're a lawyer listening, I, he's entitled to the, the assumption of innocence. But if you think that he was on performance enhancing drugs and performed to that level, then can you be certain that he can remain per- performing at that level when he's quote unquote clean? And that's what you got to buy into. You, you cannot buy, if you think that he is guilty of what he took, then you cannot buy him on the basis of his past performances, when he was most likely on something that you suspect he took, which is why the
1: idea that uh, if his ban gets extended and he's available for two million, or if his ban is upheld and he's available for two million, versus again ten million if it isn't upheld, if it is
0: again, you're 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 spending money on something that might not exist. You're spending money on performances that were artificially enhanced. Like if he wasn't taking anything, then fine. Like I said, if he if he comes in and he goes, Look, I wasn't taking anything, I fucked up, and he's st- and you believe him, then you are buying him on the performances that he did legally. Hmm. And then then fine. But you have to be damn sure about it is my point. You have to be absolutely certain that he was clean. Mind you, because even if that, you're
1: hypothetically he's probably still better than Runa Runison.
0: <laughs> <laughs> True. So I I I think even if he was and as a hypothetical entity entirely he still might be greater than Bruno Runison Hmm. but which is maybe maybe this is me but maybe I was slightly more delighted than maybe many other Arsenal fans including our own Paul Williams to see Brentford go up yeah because now that now that means we can't buy David Raya yeah who is a
1: goalkeeper I think of a good and high enough standard
0: me neither but if Brentford didn't win that game I think it was an absolute certainty that we were buying him based on the recommendation of a goalkeeping coach. like who also put in a go a recommendation for Runnerson So what you know, it's God, there's a lot to do. There's so much to do. Like ha- half of me, the, the side of me that enjoys chaos is going to love this summer because it's gonna be a <laughs> It's going to be an absolute mess and I kind of want to see what comes out of it. But at the same time, as an Arsenal fan, I'm going to be putting whatever hair is left on the top of my head. Thanks to everyone on YouTube who watches my video and has pointed out that they are blinded by the light shining off it. Thanks for the confidence. But yeah, it's it's going to be chaos. It's going to be messy. I have no idea what's going to happen. And half of me loves that and half of me hates it. Well, at least we shall be bored. <laughs> At least we we'll have the something to record. Boring, a podcast, and everything, everything else okay. but like, <laughs> like, like the the pre season the preseason tours could be starting a month from now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, the is starting what, Friday uh eight days the, on the eleventh. So that's gonna be lasting almost a month and then we'll be straight into pre-season. So not you mentally, you'll get a
1: podcast every week. Yeah. Uh, and of course from an awesome perspective, then we'll we we'll late in later on in the season we'll have the African Cup of Nations to consider. But let's not bring that one out now. <laughs> Okay, well, I think we're going to leave that there. Um, I hope that uh, those of you who've managed to make this far found that some of the conversation we had is at least thought-provoking, if not necessarily thought-resolving, and uh, have enjoyed it to some degree. We'll be obviously doing podcasts throughout the summer. We're going to be stepping up our audio-visual productions uh, and during the uh, summer break, uh, although I, pro- I don't know how many Euro specials we're going to do like all the, all the newspapers. Uh, we might, might, might try and stay a bit more loyalist to Arsenal content. But we will be hitting you with a proper full end-of-season review, individual performance analysis, and plans for individual players uh, in
0: due course. Uh, not much else to say except thanks, as always, Stephen. A pleasure. Like I said, nice to be on this side of the microphone for once. The pay is not as good, but eh. Well, what can you do? Uh, I know that feeling only too well. And thanks again, listeners, for getting
1: this far. Um, Have a great week, everyone. Uh, Don't get too caught up in what's happening with the international friendlies. They don't really matter. And enjoy the sun while it lasts, unless you're somewhere in which case it isn't sunny. Hello. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Hello oh, <laughs> <I'll just laughs> <roll> from somewhere <laughs> in, in, yeah, in the Republic Pissed to- yeah, <laughs> rain here today. Christ, it's Ireland. It's summer. Like, we get three days of sun. Okay, well,
1: that one was for the actual uh, London based Arsenal fans. We don't often pander to very often, so take that and run with it. All right, have a great week, everyone. Look after yourselves. Bye bye. Good luck.